Hmm. Okay, welcome. Welcome to a whole new month of tea and contemplation. I'm trying to like, this has to be at least like the eighth or ninth month now. I think that Adam and I have been <laughs> here in the in the uh, studio space sharing tea and contemplation Fridays with y'all. So welcome. Uh, our theme for February is all of the feels, which I think is um, such an appropriate focus for this particular month because many of us are. Um, well, this particular week of teen contemplation, we're starting out a very cold week. <laughs> we are starting out a week where every state in the US is going to be under some sort of freeze watch. And Adam and I here in Chicago, it is like the tundra out there. And February is also, you know, late winter. It could be a time where we might start to feel a little uh, perhaps disconnected from ourselves and from our bodies. You know, we're just, we're insulated, we're warm and cozy, but we're also tired and we're wanting, we're looking forward to that change. We're looking forward to that springtime, that different energy. And this can kind of start to feel where we are not perhaps as aware of how we feel, why we feel, what we feel. We're just kind of plowing through. We are like the snow plow that is just going down the street and we're just, we're on. We're just, we're making our way through it. And so this month was an invitation to consider the, the nuance of feelings that we have, how we express them, what their names are, get to know them a bit, where we feel them in the body. So we can start to check back in with ourselves. You know, February isn't something we just, I mean, as much as we like to hibernate through, we do still have to function through it. <laughs> and so we hope with our practices this month, we can offer some consideration for how we can check back in with those feelings and get back online, feel that we can do it, feel that we're still able to feel and name and really come home to the body. So for today's practice, and actually for the ones that we're gonna be doing in February, um, in addition to your regular tea mug that you'll have for practice, uh, we'll also need like a little extra bowl on the side. So extra bowl, extra cup, just, you know, doesn't have to be huge, doesn't have to hold a lot of water, just a little bit um, on the side there. And if that is something that for today is, not as accessible, a little inconvenient to get to at the moment. That's okay. You know, I'll kind of walk you through how we practice around without it, but it's nice to have. It's helpful to have on the side there. So to get started, let's go ahead and first just take a moment to settle into where we're sitting, you know, start your hot water and all that good stuff. Anything that you might need for last minute setup, but then come home to your cushion, your chair, your sofa, where you're sitting. I'm just taking a beat to feel the breath moving. Feel the wholeness of yourself, just enjoying a good sit. 
You know, it's early morning, perhaps for some of us when we're practicing, or if you're watching this later, it might be in the middle of the day after quite a bit of work and busy time. And so we just wanna bring that awareness into showing up for ourselves, appreciating the ability to sit and rest knowing that this is really all that is required. This is all we got to do. As we turn our attention inward, we allow ourselves to notice perhaps areas in the body that feel, you know, maybe a little stiff or a little achy or you slept on it weird. Notice parts that feel warm and cozy. While at the same time, acknowledging and accepting and sending some love to places that feel kind of chilly. A little tender, a little sore. That they're all here, they're all part of you. giving yourself full permission to acknowledge what feels comfortable right now and what feels uncomfortable and without the fine print of needing to try to change something, adjust it to meet some sort of ideal. Just name it and feel it. And when we need a little bit of a guide to help us through this embodiment, this giving ourselves sometimes permission to do our own emotional labor, giving ourselves permission to sit with our feelings. Tea is one way that we can see what that looks like. It could be a guide through the experiences of the sensory body. Through the process of becoming mindful and noticing all these wonderful little details. And so let's turn our attention to the tea that we're calling into our space today. What you'd like to practice with. And, you know, each month that we begin a new here in tea and contemplation, I like to just Acknowledge the progression through seasons. Just some food for thought for you in your practice. So maybe some things change a little bit in the scenery for you on your tea table. Maybe you have a nice fuzzy coaster, even like a little rug like I have here for my tea bowl. Maybe you're bringing in different elements from outside or things that remind you of outside, the season where you're at in your area. Your tea bowl or your teacup might even change too. The one I have here for February is really different than the ones I practice with throughout the rest of the year. It's tall and straight-sided. It helps keep in warmth. It's also white. It's a reflection of the color of very snowy Chicago. 
So what are ways that you can step into this growth in your practice of recognizing that the T-scape changes a little bit day by day? It can also be a guide to being able to name things. And our tea that we have, bringing awareness to what tea you'd like to practice with today, what really speaks to you on this winter morning. Taking a moment to run your finger through the leaves, just noticing different colors and shapes and textures of your particular tea today. The sound that it makes. Winter is often a really quiet season. It's one that we can really appreciate sound. And bringing the tea to our nose and allowing the breath to warm the leaves. And just seeing at first what it's like to interact with the aroma of the tea in a really quiet, very gentle way. Your tea, depending on the type that you're using, might have pretty noticeable aroma or hardly any. That's all very normal. There is not a should that the tea is trying to do or to accomplish or to be. But the first little interaction here is often very quiet, very soft. It's like warming up the body, warming up the tea. And then setting the tea aside for a moment, we're going to begin our February practice with a little change from what we normally do. So set your tea aside and go ahead and get your kettle. Get your hot water ready. And if you are moving in your space to go get your hot water, just inviting a sense of ease, non-hurrying. Just let your sleepy self kind of move in your space. Get your hot water. And we're going to pour just a little bit in the bowl, like maybe a tablespoon or something, very small amount in the bowl. Set the kettle down for a moment and taking our tea bowl or a teacup with our hands, just kind of move and circle this water around. And notice the feeling gradually of warmth coming through to your fingertips and the contrast between the warmth at the bottom of the bowl and the coolness at the top. And gradually letting the water creep up the sides and how close you can get it to the edge. So warm up that cup all the way. And then when it feels like it's pretty warm and toasty for you, we can take this water and we can Discard it in the extra bowl that we have. Just enjoying the sound of the water. And if you don't have an extra bowl today, it's okay to drink the warming water, just customarily when using this practice, we don't drink it, but there's nothing wrong with that either. So you can also just drink a little bit of warm water if you like. And now let's go ahead and serve ourselves tea. So we take a pinch of our leaves, just like usual, and place them at the bottom of the cup, however much you feel like you need today. 
And once you have tea in your cup, again, taking your cup with two hands and bringing it to the nose and now smell the leaves. In the warmed bowl, you might notice a little bit more sensation. More presence. Just notice what it feels like to warm up the body, the mind a little bit more. And in a moment, we'll move to adding water to our tea, but feel free that if just hanging out here, smelling this cup for an extra moment or so feels really good to you, you probably need it. So just hang out with it a little bit longer. And whenever you are ready, we'll set our cup down and we'll slowly add the hot water over the leaves, going nice and slow like we do here. Really allowing ourselves the full time and the full space of that time to appreciate the sound of the water, the steam rising up, leaves swirling in the water. It's such a simple thing, just making yourself a cup of tea, but really fully being here for it. Really fully giving yourself the space to be with the tea and the whole of this experience. And here we can either rest the hands comfortably in the lap. You might also wanna experiment with what it feels like to have the hands on either side of the cup, especially if your hands are cold this morning or you just would like a little extra sensory input, a little more touchy-feely, a little more warmth, that's okay. The hands could even be next to the cup with a little bit of air between just so that we can feel the warmth coming through. Seeing if we can, in our mind's eye, follow this warmth that is coming from the teacup. Through the fingertips and the palms. Deep into the hands, the muscles of the hands, the ligaments, the joints, the bones of the hands. Like the whole of your hand can feel the entirety of this warmth that is being offered up by the tea. Not just what's on the surface, but all the way in. Notice what it is like to become aware of the layers of feeling too, when we really 
fully give ourselves the space to consider that, to ask that question. Was it like on the surface? Was it like in the middle? Was it like really deep down? Does it change at all? If the cup feels comfortable to hold, we can lift it and bring it to our nose. And again, breathing in this tea. And now with the leaves fully woken up, what is it like to interact with them this way? What more of the experience are you getting? And how do you feel it? What is inviting to you? What is curious? What is confusing? What is different than perhaps you expected? Just really allowing whatever comes up to just be there. Tea can be all of these things. That's part of its nature. again, if the temperature feels like it's okay, we can take a little sip of the tea. It's a little tiny sip. Using our teeth as a strainer, kind of like we're some sort of whale drinking tea. <laughs> Acknowledging that it could be a little strange to drink tea brewed this way, unfiltered, fully loose leaf. Way that tea was enjoyed long before fancy teapots were around. And just observing that first sip like the first stretch out of bed in the morning. And maybe sometimes we notice it. And maybe sometimes we realize we hadn't been paying attention at all until we get to the bathroom or the kitchen. What is it like to actually notice it? The first stretch, the first sip. And just in your own pace, your own time, whenever you feel ready, just drinking another little bit more. And with each little taste, we take a sip or two and then we set our cup down. We observe this landing inside, this arriving of the tea. and turning our attention to our breath and just feeling any little shift or change that might happen in the inhale and the exhale. And we don't have to analyze this. We don't have to read into it. We don't have to direct it. You just feel it.
moving at whatever pace feels comfortable for you today. Just feel free to take little sips and not so little pauses. Giving yourself the space and the chance to just notice something. Sometimes we actually really need that space. One, to give ourselves permission to feel something, and two, to observe the feeling, and then three, to actually consider how we feel about the feeling. It is a process. So if we pause after each sip, we allow ourselves to observe what is the whole of that process. It's pretty cool. And as we're sipping the tea, in the same way that we invited this awareness of what warmth feels like to our hands as we're holding our cup, see if you can invite some awareness to what the warmth and what the feeling, the wholeness of the tea feels like inside. Where do you notice your tea showing up for you today? Where is it resting? What does it feel like as it's sitting there? What sort of physical qualities do you associate with those feelings? It might be fullness, it might be spaciousness, or some sort of interesting combination of both. You might notice a little rumbly in your tummy, might make you aware that you're hungry. You might notice that you're thirsty. Just how is your tea showing up for you today? And as we shift into our contemplation for the morning, I invite you to keep, please keep practicing with your tea. You don't have to finish all of what's in front of you by any period of time. You can add more water if you like, bring in a little fresh perspective see what else is there, a little warm up. You can also just simply hold your tea. Sometimes just the pausing to rest and hold it, like a really yummy restorative yoga pose, might feel like that's what you need. Allow yourself to try a few options. See what feels good today. And if you want to change in the middle of that, you can change in the middle of that too. This is all your experience.
This is such a resonant topic for me. And I want to say so many things. And I, I feel that my entire life's project is really wrapped up in this question of, of how to feel deeply, actually. <clears throat> so I'll try to make this coherent. <laughs> Um, a memory that feels useful to share is um, a memory of my first and only Vipassana retreat. If you're familiar with uh, this system, this is a, a meditation system that all over the world, you can, you can go anywhere and do a, a Vipassana um, retreat. They tend to be silent um, meditation retreats. So once you once you begin the process, you don't speak at all, unless it's an emergency. And um, you spend a few days just doing a lot of seated meditation. Um, <clears throat> as a person with bipolar disorder, I'm not really supposed to do that. Like they have some sort of um, precaution, you know? Don't, don't enter this space if you have these kinds of psychological experiences. Um, but you know, I decided to risk it, and um, it was fine for for what for what that's worth. That that aspect was fine, but um, what I found was that I was in a tremendous amount of physical pain trying to trying to do these sits. So um, I'm in this dark room with like thirty other people. We're all on these meditation cushions. Some people are in chairs, and Everybody is just still, like body still, for 45 minutes usually. Then we'd have a 10-minute break, and then we'd do it again for 45 minutes. And then we'd have a 10-minute break, and we'd do it again for 45 minutes. It was punishing. It was punishing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I'm in, I'm in this room squirming. You know, I'm just like, oh, my hips are killing me and my back is killing me and I'm just in so much pain. Um, and I'm trying to focus on this subtle technique that we're being taught, which is essentially a visualization of, um, if you've ever done yoga nidra, you know, and the kind of like uh, movement of awareness through different parts of your body, we're basically doing something like that, moving attention through different parts of the body. Um, <clears throat> And I'm trying to do this subtle thing, but there's this much louder thing that is my physical pain that's like, maybe you should move. And so I keep, I keep adjusting, you know, trying to like not show anybody that I'm doing it, but adjusting and adjusting. Anyway, I have a consult with the, the meditation instructor on this retreat. And he tells me, well, first he's like, you know, you should sit in a chair, <laughs> which was good advice. It was like, get off the cushion. You're in a lot of pain. Sit in a chair. Um, the, but the second thing he said was, um, and you know, that pain is not physical. It's uh, psychological. And this was about 10 years ago. And I still am like, what's the difference? 
What's the difference? I've done a lot of work with my therapist on getting out of patterns of intellectualization. And the way this shows up in my therapy sessions is um, we'll be talking about something and something will hit me on a level of like emotional wound. And I'm completely unconscious that that's happening. But what I do is I start entering into like philosophical treatise land. And my therapist is like, okay, like you sound smart right now, but what are you talking about? And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I talking about? I'm just, I'm just philosophizing. You know, I'm like, I'm like in my little, I'm in my little PhD candidate like <laughs> realm. And, uh, and I actually, I've been doing some writing about this recently, so maybe if, if it's all right, I'll just share a paragraph of, of the writing. So uh, my therapist's name is Corey. I remember the first few times that Corey, sitting across from me in her office, would guide me into realizing that I was papering over feeling states with elaborate mental evasions. At first it was embarrassing and since embarrassment is not a place I find comfortable either, I'd settle on defensive and angry. Eventually, I got used to the unsettling feeling of allowing her to point out to me when I am lying to myself. Progress, but not destination. Knowing that I'm intellectualizing does not immediately render the repressed feelings available. In the intermediate phase of healing, which for me lasted years, all I could do was stew in frustration at the pattern. With time came gentleness, and with gentleness, entryways into emotional intimacy. One of the, th the really striking things about my early studies in yoga was to learn that in, at least in the like classical yoga philosophy of Patanjali, there's no differentiation between thinking and feeling. That what happens in, there's a word, this word is chitta, and it is defined as like, the heart-mind field. It's like the, the space of consciousness and that involves thinking, it involves feeling, but there isn't this division like I've been raised to think that there is. And so I feel a lot of my experience comes back to this question. You know, why do I think <laughs> that that my thoughts are a sort of separate, autonomous, energetic process from my emotions. And what does it cost me to maintain that 
theory. I think for a lot of my life, the thoughts have run the show. You know? And when something arrives in the space of thinking, it's dominant. That's the dominant experience for me. That's the, that, that is what inf most dominantly informs my perception. So it's been like, you know, this is all, this is very obviously is a very personal share. I know it's very different in each of our bodies. But like for me, this has been very much like a, a movement through a dark forest, this like emotional processing this reclaiming of emotional processing. It's like, this is scary and I don't, and I don't know where I'm going and uh, I hope I'll be okay when I, when I get there. <clears throat> the recent insights for me in this practice have been that the, the reclaiming of intimacy with emotional states that I've been repressing is a source of profound energy, profound energy. Like when I can get in touch with grief, for example, it's just like, um, a quality of aliveness permeates my system. So maybe, you know, the question this morning is simple. Do, do you need permission to feel? Do you feel that you have that permission in the context of your, your life and your circumstances? All the feels, all the feels. You have made it. Congratulations, friend. You have made it through session one of all the feels. Many more feels to come, we anticipate. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have any questions for me, you can find me at info 
at adamgrassi.com. It's A-D-A-M-G-R-O-S-S-I.com. And should you have any questions for my esteemed colleague? <laughs> That's me. You can find me at Suze, S-O-O-Z. It's very phonetic. Pretty easy to say, Suze. Uh, at beingt.com. Uh, Teen Contemplation is held as a live session every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. So if the morning and the occasion works for you and you'd like to join us live with a little community share afterward, you are most welcome to come and sit with us for tea. We'll see you soon. Hey, Suze, before we, before we end, uh, I'm wondering if you could maybe mention the book that you mentioned in the chat in case people um, wanted to... Maybe other people had been on meditation retreats, had similar experiences. Oh, totes. Yeah, yeah. There's a, um, in our community share afterward, um, some other folks brought up similar experiences to what Adam shared. So if you've, if that's ever happened to you during a retreat, uh, don't feel weird. Like that's definitely, <laughs> that's, that's pretty, um, unfortunately common. So a great resource to learn more about it, whether you're a teacher or a practitioner, uh, is a book called Trauma Sensitive Mindfulness by David A. Trelevin, uh, that talks about systems that are set up in a lot of mindfulness communities that you know seemingly is there to help to give the support and that's the intention but if it's not done with the full awareness of some experiences people may have and really allowing them to feel held in that and normalized and not trying to you know be shoved into well just do this just sit with it longer you'll be fine um it can feel really messy and it can feel very difficult to look back on that experience as anything useful so I highly recommend um, that book as a great resource to learn more about that uh, and learn more about what would, you know, if you find that might be something that you can relate to, what you could do instead. What are some practices that you could consider instead and what to look for in opportunities like that? Amazing. Thanks, Suze, and thank you, everyone. We'll see you soon.